Everyone's talking about authenticity. I'm not sure how many people know how to find it or create it. Digital is as diverse as all the people that contribute to it. I wonder when people will stop saying going off the grid and they'll start saying going off the cloud. Hey guys, welcome to the Design of Experience, conversations about the ideas that make us feel a tribal devotion to the things we love. Today we are going to continue our conversation from our previous episode because we had so much fun with our guest, Matt DeVille, in talking about uh, the digital world, what is digital, how do we interact with digital, everything about it. And we kind of had a lot of fun talking with him that we realized that one episode could not contain all the talk about digital. Matt, welcome again. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and just as a reminder, Matt is our VP of Digital here at 15.4, and we were enjoying last time talking about all of his analog parts of his personality, which are super cool. Definitely check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. Last time, we ended the episode with Steve and I trying to define digital, which we both defined in our own ways, and we, I don't think we quite harnessed it, but that's kind of the mystery of what's going on. So... I would like to start, if it's okay with everybody, with Matt DeVille uh, giving us his take on what digital is. Uh, yeah, so I, I think the last time I did say it was vast. And uh, to uh, quote Whitman, I am vast, I contain multitudes. Digital is vast. It's a lot of different things. And uh, that's, that's part of the manifesto is just breaking it down. It means different things for different people. It means different things for different brands. Brands are free to engage how they want to, whether it means that they have a website, they have some kind of CRM or sales, Salesforce, HubSpot, Pardot or something. For some people, that's all that digital is. Matt, I have a question for you. Good. So we're referencing Manifestly Digital, which in the last episode, we uh, let people know that it's a manifesto written by Matt for our company. So I have And it's it. available online at manifestlydigital.com. <laughs> manifestlydigital.com. That's manifestlydigital.com. Oh my gosh, that was literally like a spur of the moment advertisement just dropped into the middle of our podcast. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you, great. Steve. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so yes, uh, manifestlydigital.com. You have three kind of bold statements on your website that when I first saw them, I was kind of like, whoa, what is he talking about? So I just would like to get your insider perspective on these things. Yeah. So um, you're not the only one. But again, because it's a manifesto and manifestos are supposed to be bold and outrageous, I allowed myself to have a little bit of freedom. And, you know, I like to read things like I mentioned in the first chat, (laughs) post-structuralism which, you know, most people probably don't know what that is, but uh, it's after structuralism. (laughs) So, you know, structuralism happened, and then people said, that's boring, I want to be freer. So, you know, I like a lot of these philosophers. So, anyway, cut to the chase. The three statements that have been pretty, uh, actually there's a fourth, but the three that have been a little bit more, like, far-reaching are, we are floating, Mm -hmm. Everything is accelerating. That one's probably not probably not too controversial, you know, unless you actually think time is speeding up. 
which I think it may be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a parent of three, it feels like it is all the time, but that's that's pretty quotidian. So, um, and then information is ambient, and uh, you know, so we are floating. Um, and it has a nice little, each one has a nice little illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just this, this idea that we're no longer tied to our desks. If we need information, it's in our pocket, which could be creepy to think about. But uh, you really don't, you don't have to go anywhere. You just reach for your phone, tap in a query, and get the answer. And it's not just the information itself, but um, every time I put on my headphones I actually think I'm a bit behind the times because my headphones have cords so I am tethered to my phone but I'm not cool enough that I have wireless earbuds yeah so that whole untethered thing is is going further Steve do you have earbuds I do the wireless ones yes do you feel like you are just so with it because you have those no because I have the kind that are connected to each other via a wire that lays across the back of my Mm. neck and they're connected to my phone via Bluetooth. And Toki has the kind that don't have any connection. They're yeah. just two completely separate. So that whole untethered thing, the first time you showed it to me, I actually was a little like, what does he mean we're untethered? But then I started to notice that not only the information, but even yeah. the devices are no longer tethered. I mean, some of us are more tethered than others, <laughs> but we're working on it. So, I mean, the acceleration thing, that's obvious. Things are going faster. It sometimes it feels like, and I think because we're wrapped up in this digital world, that sometimes it feels like it's really hard to disconnect. Mm-hmm. We talked about that mm-hmm. in the previous chat. The um, demand you write, the demand for always accessible information, is growing. Right. And and you know you could argue constantly growing at that. If you think about that hockey stick curve again, you know, it starts to go up slowly and then all of a sudden it's whoop and it just keeps going and going and going. And just a quick ironic comment about the untethered, you know, how untethered are we really? Like we're wireless, right? but I would say we're more tethered than ever, Yeah. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, The last one about information is ambient. It's just the idea, and this was inspired by... Um, every time I would see my mother, she'd say, oh, did you hear about it? And I'd say, yep. Yeah. Oh, mm. did you hear about that? Guess what happened today? Yeah, I know. And it wasn't that I was, um, you know, reading anything deeply. But just, uh, you know, my phone buzzes. There's some kind of alert from CNN or Vox or Vice or something, you know, Apple News. And it would be like, oh, and you, you read the headline in three seconds probably less, and you just absorb information. Whether you actually know what happens or you've just read the headline, you're kind of perceiving information. It's, it's just coming to you. You don't have to seek it out anymore. So yeah, those, those are my three sort of founding definitions for digital. Do you guys think that people have different capacities for content? Because I know that I am just definitely a lightweight when it comes to content. This is on your note of information is ambient. Mm-hmm. Um, I have such a low capacity for intaking content, and so I don't have a lot of those alerts, and um, sometimes I'm kind of out of the know because I know my capacity. But other people are just like content consumers and they can just crunch through content and it's insane to me and they love their newsletters they love going to their sites every morning you know similar to reading a newspaper um, 
do you guys think that that's kind of person by person or is that more of you know where they're at or how how accelerated they are yeah i mean i i'm always amazed just being around here you mm-hmm. know being around the shop here and listening to everybody talk about all the different series you can watch and music that's out there and podcasts that are available i'm like how do these people consume all that content i can't there's just no way for me to keep up mm-hmm. and i always blame it on a generational gap um, well, since i'm the oldest person that. in the office <laughs> um, but yeah i mean evidently there are i think you know we spent a little time with my niece this weekend and she was getting ready to take a trip to europe and she said several of her friends and said, I can't wait to see your posts. And mm-hmm. she said, well, there won't be any because her goal is to not post anything in 2019. Like she is She's going off just the map. going off, off the, the grid. grid she has deactivated her Facebook and she is not going to post to Instagram unless it's something like, you know, life-changing important. Yeah. I, I wonder when people will stop saying going off the grid and they'll start saying going off the cloud, you know. I'm, I'm going cloud-free, um, you know. I'm going back on the yeah. grid of life. Right. I'm tapping into the primordial sun, which we know is life, which is not connected to a computer. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Wait, what was the question? Again? The question is, how, like, do you think that people's ability to intake different amounts of content, oh, yeah. do you think that's a kind of just how people are wired, or is it how wrapped up yeah. you are? Are. I was just make, kind of making fun of myself. I'm a right. very low capacity content person, yeah. and I'm, I am like you, Steve, amazed at how some people can keep up with so much content. And I wonder, is it just me? Am I just wired with low capacity, and other people are high capacity, or right. is it a choice? Is it a, a rhythm that you get swept up in and you don't realize it? Just or is there a question of level of comprehension that maybe our listeners could write in and ask or, or, or inform us? Um, because what I want to know is, you know. I, my my wife jokes that when I read a book, I've kind of pretty much memorized it. Not really, but I don't have mm-hmm. a photographic memory. But I, I I generally comprehend stuff like that to the point where when someone else is kind of telling it wrong, I feel the need to interrupt them because they've missed detail. key details yeah. or facts. But I think that's not the that's not the goal anymore. And um, maybe it's just you know if we're skimming on the surface of a pond like a stone um then there are moments where <laughs> was that a baltimore stone there's a baltimore stone, stone on. <laughs> um maybe maybe it's you know you digest tons and tons of content to sift through as much as you can because there are jewels in there there are gems and so I, it's another philosophy of, of you know you just re- devour content and then once in a while something really jumps out at you and pokes you in the eye and that's the stuff you hold on to Right. I don't know. I defer. Well, and the um, I, I think the thing is, the old usability rule. They always would say, uh, you know, the gods of usability. They would say, people don't read on the internet. They skim. Mm, they yeah. scan, and that's true. And you know, I don't. Um, when I read the headlines, it's more like just a millisecond. Yeah. You know, and perceiving it. So, but in terms of appetites for content, I think it varies a lot. I often think, oh, young folk, you know, um, young folk, they're all on Instagram, but yeah. they're not. They're not all on Instagram. I know a lot of people who aren't. I don't know why they aren't. It's a cult. I want them to join. <laughs> I want to see their photos. It annoys me that they're on Facebook, but not Instagram. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I know plenty of people who 
just don't participate mm-hmm. at all, and that's fine. My morning routine usually includes sitting, eating a bowl of cereal, reading the New York Times. Mm-hmm. But I find that there's less and less, and maybe it's the political climate, and we're getting into too many topics here, but it's it, maybe it's that I find just there's so much out there now that it's not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I used to be able to you know sit down with an Atlantic and read the entire magazine. And they are written like essays, those right. articles. They're not short. Yeah. They're, you know, you don't skim. You have to read. Yep. Um, now that's, I don't know, that's gotten harder. I, I like just find myself flipping past dozens of articles, and once in a while I'll find something about like giant cargo-sized drones getting ready to deliver hundreds of pounds of packages. <laughs> and I'll stop and go, ooh, that sounds kind of interesting. But the, a lot of the meatier, more probably more important world affairs, I find myself just glazing over and I think think that's probably bad. It's a good observation nonetheless. Because we're like trying we're we're all here just trying to dissect what digital is and how we navigate it every day and how it affects things like reading the news. Um Matt, you had you have written down five components of digital and I'd love for you to walk us through them but also are these five that you've discovered so far, or do you think these are five all-encompassing um, components of digital? So I think those are actually just experiential aspects. Okay. So mobile social experiences, whether it's a kiosk, touch screen, augmented reality, mm-hmm. um, even pop-up shops. You know, pop-up shops are analog; they're physical manifestations. But it seems like everywhere you go, there's some digital part of it you know you walk into a large client's office and there's no receptionist Mm -hmm. you have to tap into the the ipad to sign in and then someone will come get you Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that happened to me at the doctor's office yeah it's disturbing it's everywhere um so anyway Mm -hmm. but uh and then games and the web so mobile social experiences games and the web and i think gaming is something that you know, that's probably one of the things I have the least experience with. My son just got a switch, and he can chat with his friend who lives on the other side of town mm-hmm. while they play Fortnite. And, uh, you know, so that's bizarre to me. But that's part of the digital lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it's it's maybe a, a other side of the coin definition of digital that goes back to something I said in the previous episode Digital is how we connect with everything that isn't just literally right in front of us. Right. Um, but with a, you know, and you have to kind of be careful how you define that. I mean, we could just linger on mobile because you've, you've written even mobile must be the first consideration. You say mobile has infected, mobile has infiltrated our lives and infected us. Yeah. We are media addicts. We constantly reach out for stimulation. Um, we could just pause there. I mean, we don't want to just be like, wah, wah, <laughs> you know, sour grapes. Uh, right. Because we're part, let's be honest, let's not kid ourselves. We're part of this revolution. This is our job. Mm-hmm. We help people create uh, engaging digital experiences. Yeah. How do we do that responsibly? How do we help tell the truest version of stories that actually make a genuine emotional connection and maybe lead to real community mm-hmm. um, maybe that's the question we need to ask ourselves as as professional content people mm-hmm. um, because it is the world that we're living in you can't roll it back 
you can't just go quote unquote off the grid. Right. Um, or off the cloud. Cloud or off free. the cloud. You can't <laughs> cloud go cloud free. free. Yeah. It's pretty hard to do that. I mean, the dark side of it is you go to lunch and everybody's on their phone. The bright side of it is you go to lunch, you have a conversation, and someone references something, and and then they're like, wait, but I'm not sure about that. So then you can fact check it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, people would have shrugged and said, oh, I don't know. You know, so at what point is having access to that information cumulatively helping us be smarter people? Mm-hmm. You know, that might be a positive part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would certainly hope so. Yeah, and like Steve was saying about um, – you know, being the force for good. Mm. I um, I don't know. I hope this isn't tooting our own horn too much, but there's something that I personally love about working with this group of people, and I think it's that we most people, if not everyone that works here, are people that are just genuine, uh, genuine people who love what they do, who have their their own talents and gifts that they bring to work every day. We have incredible animators, uh, illustrators, um, graphic designers, web people, and I think that the work that we produce here is is a natural overflow of each person bringing their talents to the table. And when I see our messaging workshops or people working with clients to dig up the truth behind the brand that helps the brands realize what their, their message is for good, um, I think that's where the choice comes in to be a force for good because we are, like you said, Steve, this is the era that we're in. There's no rolling it back. But I think it's a choice as to what do we do with the things that we are good at and apply them to what we do at work. And how do we make digital a positive, good experience for people? Like, how do we make business for good? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's true. I don't think I'm seeing through rose-colored glasses, but I think it's a choice and it's how we spend our time and what we do to build things. I would agree, of course. <laughs> However, I want to challenge you know, the the uniqueness of that. We live in the era of the commercialization and commoditization of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about authenticity. Everybody's talking about community. Right. Um, I'm not sure how many people know how to find it or create it. While I agree with everything you just said, I'm trying to think like most agencies aren't comprised of fake people who hate their work because <laughs> you said you know we're real people who love our work yeah um and generally you know the creative professionals probably should be pretty good at their jobs or they you know should be making a living doing something else so mm-hmm. i think we have something special here because maybe we all actually do know each other mm-hmm. and there is you know real life friendship and and connection um and wherever that happens it it's just it is special because it puts us in touch with what it really means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but that's the you know that's the irony to me of the whole connection conversation and the authenticity conversation and and our genuine search to find the true story about brands and the people they're trying to message, you know, because we know there's there's a certain spark of joy to quote Marie Kondo <laughs> when you <laughs> tap into that authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Two thoughts. Um, One, and this is not, probably not super unique or hopefully not super unique, but there is some work that we turned down. And that hasn't always been the case in my career. I remember doing a website for um, a gentleman who thought that he was going to start a third political party. And it was sort of this libertarian um, thing. And 
it was an extremely uncomfortable project for me. Um, but I had to do it because it was my job. So there is work that we turn down because we don't want to support that. In advertising, those values and those ethical lines can get really... can be tricky. Intensely tricky. And the, the idea about authenticity. Um, you know, anytime there's uh, Memorial Day, how do you do that mm-hmm. on social media to be respectful but not look like you're just trying to sell yourself? Uh, Pride Month, we put a post up, you know, and that um, was a, a bit of a discussion internally because, again, we didn't want to look like every other company who's hopping on this sort of bandwagon. I wouldn't call it a bandwagon. I think it's about equality and human rights. Um, but, you know, there, there are discussions about that. Mm-hmm. How authentic, how genuine are mm-hmm. people being when they when they do these things. The more that we're talking about this and unpacking it, I think before we started the conversation, I was thinking that digital is this like ever-present thing that's all around us and it's, it is here. Like you said, we can't roll it back. But the more we talk about it, it seems like there have, there have to be humans behind it. And Matt, you said, you know, everything starts with your hands, your digits. Right. So is digital really all that like out there and, and ambient? Yes, to an element it is. But I think digital is now that I hear it, sounds more of like an expression of humans. Mm-hmm. So we are expressing different things, whether they are personal expressions or business expressions, whatever it is, it is all content, it is all connections, and it's, it needs humans to exist. Now we could get into the concept of, you know, we create robots and do they control the existence? <laughs> but, but that's kind of what I'm getting clarity on is that, um, Digital is not just some thing that is out there. It takes humans to create it, to bring it into being, into existence, and it is a further expression of our thoughts and ideas every day. Yeah, yeah I would agree. And, uh, you know, I think uh, if we want to stay human, anything we create in the digital world should have an ethical yeah. basis, you know? I-, I think we should never be nostalgic about some past era where everyone actually communicated with each other by talking, mm. you know, and uh, when things were better because they weren't better for everybody. True. And so, you know, I'm kind of checking myself on that. I think it's our job to always find authentic mm-hmm. connection yeah. and mm-hmm. real community, and that's what we all want. And so I think, you know, that challenge has probably been faced by every generation for centuries. And, you know, best not to remember the good old days and think we're going to go backwards. But when you're making content, we are part of telling a story. And if we don't believe the story is true, we have walked away from that uh, in the past. We've had, you know, a couple opportunities to jump into the political arena based on where we are here in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And uh, we've walked away from that a couple times, and it was because... We did. We just couldn't. We, we couldn't, in good conscience, help tell a story that we didn't believe. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of maybe maybe that's our one of our special sauces, Emily. And it, this is not a commercial. It's just we're always trying to seek or find our way here and figure out why do we do this. Yeah. You know what what's different about us or what do we want to be different about us? And one of the things is I think we are really looking for the true version of stories, and we're not really interested in helping somebody sell something that we think probably doesn't even work 
or tell a story that we think is a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of where we back ourselves up and say, eh, I don't know about that. So anyway. Yeah, and it, it just um, confirms that digital is as diverse as all the people that contribute to it, and it is something to navigate every day. Um, Matt, you have 10 rules for digital. Can you pick a few of those to kind of unpack? And Because I, I want people to have a little bit of takeaways. They can go to this website to get all the goods and, and see how they can apply this to their work, big and small. Um, but I'd love to hear your perspective on some of these rules. So if you just wanted to pick a few and talk about them, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So um, the first one is what are we trying to accomplish? What's, what's the goal? From the outside, it, it seems obvious, but um, there are plenty of times when we get a request and it doesn't make any sense, and we have to challenge that. Those are always so great. You're yeah. like, do you really know what you're asking or what yeah. you want? And yeah. that, that's where messaging workshops come in really, yeah, really exactly. handy. So everything needs to have a purpose. Yes. And that, you know, that ties back to just wanting to be successful with what you're creating. Um Wait, can I ask you one more question? Yeah. Is that like also in that statement, what are we trying to accomplish? Is that the same thing as like if someone comes to you and says, hey, I want an app for this, or I would love for you guys to make a website. And we often are are known for saying, okay, we acknowledge that request. Let's take a step back and ask, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. Okay, okay, Exactly. Yeah. I'm tracking with you. You know, we, we do not focus on app development for multiple reasons, but, um, you know, uh, apps aren't always the answer. Right. You know, let me see, let me see. Expect users to find you through a social channel. So I think this ties to the idea, um, and we talk about this regularly. Uh, you know, I've been doing websites for 15 years, 20 years. It gets confusing. Um, and it used to be you just you'd put a website up, and that was the holy grail. But it's not, and you can't just depend on one channel you know uh you need to pick and choose but i think you even say on this that the web is not enough right it's not enough um because that's not how people consume content they don't pick up their phone and type in something um, That's true. I don't know the last time I typed in a web address right. of something where someone's like, hey, you should check this out. They usually say, I'm going to send you like yeah. this Pinterest post, yeah. and then you yeah. can look at this blogger. Right. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and according to the stats, I spend about an hour and a half on it every mm-hmm. day. Um, and I see ads in between the photos of puppies and pugs. And there was a point where people were like, oh, you can't do this. Uh, Instagram, this is our platform. Well, no, it's not, obviously. Um, They're using it to learn about us. They're using it to advertise. I never found it super offensive unless it was a truly offensive ad. Mm -hmm. And that's how I find things. You know, that's how I learn about companies like Optimizely or Conversocial or something like that. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. it happens. So Mine always shows me clothing that's, like, way expensive. (laughs) I'm like, I just need to go past those because I'm not going to buy a sweater for $200. They they know how to put stuff in front of me that that they know I like, and I like to see the ads for about the first 10 times. And then I've I've recently, a lot, I've been saying, hide this ad. And then they give you the reasons why do you want to hide this ad. And it's because I see it too often. So um, I'm going to let my... ADD, go for it. Overwhelm the moment. <laughs> um, I think you know there are ten really cool rules that we could either 
talk about you know, in a few more episodes, or you could just go to manifestlydigital.com, manifestlydigital.com to get the rest of them. I'm kind of interested in, um, Emily, we're looking at your notes because you're our esteemed producer. Um, And I'm looking at a couple of questions that you have for us, and it might be a good time to go to close because we're running a little long. I see Josh looking at us. Okay. Um, You know, one of the questions you asked couple of good questions here i'll just skip to one of them what is available to you digitally but you prefer analog that is a good question and i, I kind of want to hear that answer i'm interested i mean books obviously you know i can't read on the device i mean i can read websites because i skim them but you know i need to be able to take notes fold pages down and also art art is great and there's an amazing amount of art online on different platforms, uh, but that nothing beats, you know, going to the BMA or going to DC and mm-hmm. walking around the gallery. Mine is very specific. It is not just shopping, it is grocery shopping. Because to me, grocery shopping is one of the most fun things to do. And I know some people think I am crazy for that because some people dread that task every week. I love grocery shopping and I know that there is you know Peapod and Amazon Prime or Amazon I think it was Amazon Prime Delivery and Instacart which all I think are cool companies but I very much love the grocery shopping experience and I've talked about Whole Foods before and how much of an advocate I am for Whole Foods and Wegmans but it truly brings me joy to go into the store feel everything around me look at everything and if I were not able to do that every week or so, I would be sad. But I could order. I can appreciate ordering groceries for someone who does not have the luxury of time to do that or other things. That is a cool phenomenon in itself. That's then, an interesting yeah. – um, I think that's probably one of those connections that – obviously Amazon thinks something's going on with that or they wouldn't have acquired Whole Foods. Yeah. They're not looking for it. You know, in in the – it's a very interesting juxtaposition for me because a company that has made delivery of everything from your, you know, you sit at home, order what you want, it comes to your house, and they've made that ubiquitous, but they're still doubling down on a bricks-and-mortar retail experience where mm-hmm. you can actually go and pick up an avocado uh, before you buy it. I think that's Definitely very, very interesting. Definitely at least a few avocados. I know for me, um, simply conversation is something that I prefer analog. That is a good one. Um, I just, you know, even with our kids who don't live in the same town, you know, my wife and I will talk to our kids any chance we get, and we'll do it on the phone. But I I find I have a limited threshold for phone conversations because I just prefer to be in the room. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm in the room with people that I like or love, I can go, you know, till it's over wait what about music there are notes here about music i said music um and then i kind of i just decided to leave it at conversation but live music is pretty awesome live music yes um, you like you know there's a lot of music that you probably don't maybe wouldn't like listening to on a recording but when you're in the room with it while it's being made it's there's something going on there there's a connection that you don't get otherwise yeah you know that's that's why we all still go to concerts and pursue those live analog experiences eating in a restaurant Mm -hmm. you know we could list a lot of things that i think 
there there isn't a digital substitute for yep um or maybe the digital version is clearly lesser of an experience guys this has been great it's gotten the gears turning in my head i feel like i'm jokingly i feel like i'm now leaving with more questions than answers but that's an okay place to be it's a rabbit hole matt thanks so much for being with us for two episodes hey thanks for putting up with me (laughs) i I know i'm difficult yeah matt's kind of a special guy might have something going here (laughs) oh man we shall see what the future (laughs) brings all right guys well that's it for this week um we hope you've enjoyed it and um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on digital as well um i think what we've determined is we don't know what the answer is yet but we work towards it every day thanks so much and we will talk to you guys again really soon Design of Experience is produced by 15.4, a creative agency located in Charm City, Baltimore, Maryland. Produced by Emily Wolf, engineered by Josh Frisch, with story and creative development by Matt DeVille and Steve Smallman.